0: Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. In this sermon episode, Minister Stephanie Harris is preaching from the title Real Love, focusing on Romans 5:8. We're glad you're here. All right then. Our text for today is Romans 5:8. I will read Romans 5:6 through 11 for context. So I would ask that you grab your devices or if you're still like me and have a paper Bible, that you would grab your, grab your Bible and please stand for the reading of God's word. And I will be reading from NIV, so I'll say it again, Romans 5. I will be reading verses six through 11. Alrighty. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. Since we have now been justified... Jumped ahead. Start again. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. I'm gonna focus on, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The title of this sermon is "Real Love." You may be seated. Ooh, Father God, I just ask now, Lord, that you anoint me afresh. Give me preaching power. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, finding and feeling love can be very confusing. Over 30 years ago, Gary Chapman introduced the notion of the five love languages. This concept was born out of his counseling experiences and it was written to help couples understand how they give and receive love. You know, we've all talked about them, right? It's physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service. Would you believe that Chapman has sold over 20 million copies? Now Chapman is not the only self-help book about love. We have podcasts, relationship coaches, clubhouse rooms, and a host of songs that tell to us about someone searching for it and they're confused about love. Let us consider the book of Whitney. You know how Whitney Houston asked the question, how will I know if he really loves me? Yeah. And then Patti LaBelle tells us, oh, if only you knew how much I do love you. Now, y'all all know how that song goes. She had rehearsed her line. All right, until she had them. Amen, amen, amen. But when she finally got up the nerve, the work just didn't seem to come out right. That's all right, I got it all right. <laughs> y'all were with me, y'all were with me. But frankly, most of us at some point probably have felt a little bit like Mary J. Blige on track three of the album The 411 when she told us she was looking for a real love, you know, one that would set her heart free. She was looking for a love that she could feel, and she often left us questioning if a real love could be found. Now, I'm going to give y'all a break. I'm going to ask y'all to come on back. Come on back. come Yep, I know. Now, come on back. Come on back. As kids, we have learned about real love in a very simple song. It goes something like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. And we all know what comes next. For the Bible tells tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. So we all know as kids, we have learned to exclaim that Jesus loves you, Now I heard what you said. She said this was about God, and you are absolutely right. So let's just go to the Gospel of John before we get too far. See, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God and the word was made flesh and came down and dwelt among us. So theoretically we could rewrite this song and we could sing it like this. I'm gonna do my Stanley Cafe remix and they're not even here. (laughs) We could rewrite it to say God loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. So before we get a little further into this I just want to point out that our text for today tells us that God demonstrates his love toward us. What I found interesting is that this verb is written in the present tense. It says God demonstrates his love. What it does not say, because it is not written in the past tense, it does not say that God showed his love. Because if God showed his love, that means that the demonstration of his love would be complete, because it happened in the past. It is not in the future tense, because if it was in the future tense, then the text would say, God will demonstrate his love, which means that it will happen sometime in the future, which might be unknown to us. Hmm. Yeah. It is not in the imperfect tense or the conditional tense. If it was in that tense, it would say it would God would demonstrate his love, meaning that it may or may not happen depending on the circumstances, you know. You would go to the grocery store, but you might need a nap after church. (laughs) We need a nap. (laughs) This text is in the present tense because God's love is happening right now. It is not over. It is not done with. It is not based on an action. It is not something that will happen in the future. It happens right now, and it continues to happen, and God gives us this gift of love that keeps on giving. So the question for today is, how does God demonstrate his love? The first way that God demonstrates his love is by the timing. Our text says that God loved us while we were sinners. In verse seven, Paul suggests that one would consider dying for someone who is righteous or good. The message states it this way. We can understand dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to a selfless sacrifice. But can you imagine dying for someone that you have just decided is not good or worthy? Honestly, can you imagine doing anything good or kind for someone that you don't see as worthy. And interestingly enough, Paul in verse 10 says, uses the word enemy. Now when you think about it, every hero has an arch enemy and a sidekick, right? Batman might be willing to suffer for Robin, but he's not gonna suffer for the Riddler, the Joker, or the Penguin. Peter Parker, better known as Spider-Man, you know he would die for Mary Jane, but not for the Kingpin the Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Electro, Sandman, or the Lizard. Superman might be willing to die for Lois Lane and for Jimmy, but he's not gonna go down for Lex Luthor. (laughs) And as you think about the plots of these stories, the arch enemy often attacks or tries to attack the sidekick. And that's the big build up to the big fight, right? You just don't go for somebody that's, that's in your corner. But God's love is not conditional. Long before we loved God, he loved us. And he shows this love when you think about the story of Paul. You see, before Paul was Paul, he was Saul, and he was a Jew of all Jews. And as Saul, he persecuted the followers of Jesus. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, nor that Jesus was the road to salvation. Instead, he believed that salvation was based on observing the laws. And because of his beliefs, he was not kind to the followers of Christ. And that's putting it mildly, right? In Acts, it said that Saul breathed murderous threats against the followers of Christ. Now listen carefully to me. I am not judging, criticizing, or condemning Saul. He simply operated with his understanding. What I want to point out is that even with these horrible acts, Saul was still loved by God. God loved him so much that he met him on the road to Damascus and changed his life and gave him a different name. You see, God's unconditional love meets us where we are. Say that again. God's unconditional love meets us where we are. His love didn't wait for Saul to become a better person. His love doesn't wait for Saul to get right. His love is not based on who Saul is. His love is based on who God is, because God, after all, is love. 1 John 4 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. He shows us abundant loving kindness. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, that you can find in numbers. So I would suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, that there are aspects of our culture that make it hard for us to comprehend God's love. You see, we live in the world of council culture. Okay, I had to call my daughter so she could explain it to me. (laughs) I I didn't know. She she had to break it down. I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that, but I did. I did. I had to break. She had to break it down for me. And she said to me, come on mom, cancel culture. All you have to do is say the wrong thing and you go from being the most liked to the least like. One viral video, that's all it takes. And you see, God's love is not like what we experience in the dating app. You ever set up a dating app profile? I found out you can have a coach to help you set up a dating app profile. No, I'm not on any dating apps, y'all. <laughs> no. Just did my research, just did my research. <laughs> But when you set up a dating app profile and you get that notice that the person wants to match with you, right? And then you go and you look at it and you look at the person. You might focus on their physical description. You might look at their height, their weight, their eye color, their hair length, their hair color, their education, their hobbies, their habits, their interests. And you might take a second look at the, the picture and decide if you want to get to know that person. And what happens is people tend to see one thing that they don't like and they swipe left. And any opportunity for further communication is canceled. You see, in this council culture and in our dating apps, it takes just one thing and it's over. You see, another song that we sang as kids is, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And somehow I found myself saying, hey, I believed that as a kid. And then I had to ask myself, and I'll ask you too, do you know that even as an adult, you're still God's little child? And because you are God's little child, he still loves you too. And see, society tells us that we are unlovable because of our body size, our skin tone, the amount in our bank account, the amount that's not in our bank account, our family size, our marital status, our zip code, our parent's zip code, and that list could just go on and on. But when it comes to God's love, you cannot cancel His love for you because it's not based on you you simply will always be a perfect match for God. And the reality of our story is that God thought we were worth saving. He didn't decide to throw us away. He thought we were worth keeping. He thought each and every one of us was worth dying for. His unconditional love meets us where we are. And although it meets us where we are, it also changes us. We cannot stay the same when we walk in his love. His unconditional love transforms our lives. But it's a love that he gives to us each and every day, moment after moment. He shows us this unconditional love that is called the agape love. But secondly, God shows his love by the actions of Christ four simple words. Christ died for us. I'll say it again. Christ died for us. Four words simple yet profound, equally mind-blowing as his unconditional love. And so I'm going to try to explain it. We know Christ is God's one and only son, which means that Christ is both human and divine. At Christmas time, we sing this song where he's Mary's little baby and we asked the question, Mary, did you know? <laughs> Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? He would save our sons and daughters. Did you know your baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And those lyrics are simple, but they also remind us that Christ has the power, the power of God. He, in that power, as Christ walked on earth, we, should, we know that he had the power to forgive. Jesus tells the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. And then he instructs him to pick up his bed and walk. We know that Jesus had power over nature. He spoke to the waves and told them to be still. And he said, peace, be still. And so I just want to remind you that the presence of Jesus can cause you to have peace in the middle of any of your storms. <laughs> Jesus has the power to heal people of their illnesses. Remember, there was a lame man and then there was the woman with the issue of blood who had suffered for 12 long, long years and with just one touch from Jesus. He did for her something that none of the doctors could do. And so I just want to remind you again that one touch from the Lord can transform each and every one of our lives. And Jesus had the power to resurrect. He called Lazarus from the grave. He raised Jairus' daughter. And he can restore life into the dead places in each and every one of our lives. And yet this unique, powerful Christ died a criminal's death. You see, we glorify the death, but in reality, it was means of torture. It was regarded as the most horrible form of death. And during this litten season, we focused on the sacrifice of Christ. We temporarily gave up something enjoyable to better understand Christ's sacrifice for us. And even with Lynn, it is hard to wrap our mind around the idea that the one who is king gave up everything that he had. You know, Simba just couldn't wait to be king. And he wanted to be king so he could be in control and he could do things his, his way. And Simba enjoyed all the benefits of being king. But if you were a king or queen, would you be willing to leave the comforts of palace life? Would you be willing to die a poor man? Would you be willing to forego lying in state after your death? So you remember, any time a dignitary dies, they lie in state and people can come visit um, the casket and that's where they go to pay their final respects. Would you be willing to give all of that up if you were king? or queen, not not forget my queens, if you were king or queen, would you be willing to be humiliated, humiliated and mocked by your subjects? Would you, could you? And yet that is exactly what Jesus did for us. And the Mississippi Mass choir reminds us he could have come down from the cross. But it wasn't the nails or the spikes that held him to the cross. It was love that kept him there. See, Christ is unique. There is no other like him. He is our master. He is the wonderful counselor. He is our prince of peace. He is the good shepherd, the bread of life. He is Emmanuel, but most importantly, he is our savior because only he has the power to save us from our sins. And out of his love for us, he died to save us and free us from the punishment of our sins. And Christ and God shows us a reckless love. It is an overwhelming, never ending, reckless love. It chases me down, fights till I'm found. He leaves the 99 and I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. And still, he gave himself away. It is an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And when we were his foe, still his love fought for us because he has been so, so good to us. And we were not worthy. He paid it all for us. It is an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. God shows his love for us in unequivocal terms. At a time in our life when we weren't even interested in following God, he died. He let his son die simply to close the rift and to reconcile us back to him. It is hard to understand and accept God's love because from a human perspective, it simply boggles the mind. We never, never, never have to question, doubt, or wonder about God's love. It is certain and irrefutable. When Jesus died on the cross, it was like God was saying to each and every one of us, if only you knew how much I do love you. As he sat there on the cross, If only you knew how much I do love you. And you see, God and Jesus didn't have to search for the words because there was something that he said on that cross, and it was, Father, forgive them. You see, Mary J. Blythe was looking for real love, but it was Mary's son who gave it to us on the cross as he was crucified on that old rugged cross. And we used to say, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It was an emblem of suffering and shame. But I love that old road cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain. You see, Jesus is uniquely God and man. He is the only person who died for our sins, and he is unique because he is the only person to conquer death. We all know that they have we that they have judged him from mar they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They beat him and he died. But we also know that that's not how our story ends, because early on Sunday morning he got up with all power and authority in his hands. God shows us his love by not only forgiving us of our sins, but also going either further and bringing us and welcoming us into his family. He loves each and every one of us unconditionally. It is a love stronger than what any bae, boo, honey bunny, sweetie pie, cutie pie, girlfriend, boyfriend, your boo thing can ever give you. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Please continue to connect with Mount Zion Baptist Church on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and our website, mtzlife.com. We continually put out new content, so be on the lookout and turn those notifications on. Looking forward to seeing you back here soon. Have a blessed day.